I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Civics 101 is supported in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. I'm Nick Cavadice. I'm Ben Henry. I'm Hannah McCarthy. And today we're talking about the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. <laughs> Otherwise known as Obamacare. We're talking about Obamacare yeah, today. Yeah, Obamacare. Yeah. That's how I know it. So guys, the reason I wanted to talk about this is I saw this graph in the New York Times a couple weeks ago and I found it shocking. What the graph shows is it lays out uh, the amount of money that the United States spends on health care per person compared to our life expectancy, how how long we live in general, how you know, it's a measure of how healthy we are. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It looks like our life expectancy is like 79. Yeah, this this graph shows that we spend way more money on health care than other developed nations. And we don't live longer because of it compared to those other nations. We're kind of somewhere in the middle of the pack in terms of life expectancy. But we are way ahead of the pack in terms of how much we spend per person. Way ahead. We're spending all this money, and it's not clear what we're getting out of this. And the reason that this article was crazy to me is because the takeaway uh, from the whole article is that we don't really know why. We're not sure why the cost of health care is so high in this country. I'm very keen to have Obamacare explained to me because I know sort of what it is, but I have no idea how the nuts and bolts bolts all work together for it. So we're talking to Julie Rovner. She's a a Washington correspondent for Kaiser Health News, and she also hosts a podcast for them. And she is a veteran healthcare policy uh, reporter. And guys, no questions too stupid. Oh, good. Thank God. (laughs) We're going to figure out healthcare. Uh, Julie, welcome to Civics 101. Thank you for having me. So set the stage for us. It's 2008. Obama comes into office. What are the problems that he and his administration see in the U.S. healthcare system? Well, there were two big problems in 2008. One was the very large number of people who did not have health insurance um, and some large percentage of which could not get health insurance. If you didn't get health insurance through the government or on the job and you had to buy your own, if you had a pre-existing condition, if you had ever basically used the health care system, uh, you might not have been able to even buy health insurance at any price. If you could buy it, it might have been prohibitively expensive. At the same time, uh, health care costs were rising rapidly. They still are, by the way. Uh, and there was an effort by basically all of the stakeholders, um, everybody involved in in healthcare delivery, purchase, consumption, who wanted to do something about the rising cost of healthcare. So, with the Affordable Care Act, what were the major provisions in the act? What were they trying to solve? 
the main two pieces of the Affordable Care Act that we tend to talk about were, one, the insurance reforms, um, requiring insurance companies to uh, sell to people with pre-existing conditions, to sell to them at the same price, and to not charge women more, uh, but also the requirement for most people to either have health insurance or pay a fine. Um, Those were all the things that sort of went together to try to shore up that individual market where about 20 million people buy their own coverage. And the other major piece was the expansion of the Medicaid program. Uh, Previously, Medicaid was available to people with low incomes, but you had to be low income and something else. You had to be low income and a child, low income and a pregnant woman, low income and someone with a disability, or low income and a senior. Um, Basically, what the Affordable Care Act said was you really just had to have a low income, and then you could be eligible. Uh, Originally, that was a requirement. All states were going to have to expand Medicaid. Uh, In 2012, the Supreme Court ruled that the Medicaid expansion was coercive to the states and it had to be voluntary. So now we have most of the states doing it because the federal government is paying the vast majority of that cost. But there's still 18... 17, 18 states, I think, that have not yet uh, decided to opt into that Medicaid expansion. So how did it do in solving those two problems? Well, um, I think the consensus is it did better at covering people than it did at lowering costs. And there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, But certainly, um, millions of people have joined Medicaid uh, under the states that did expand. The people who were getting help paying for their coverage, um, there are a lot more of those people. Some other people, for complicated reasons, have been priced out at that if they make too much to get help from the government. So it's been sort of a give and take in the individual market. But yes, many more people overall have coverage than had coverage before the Affordable Care Act was passed. On the cost side, there were a lot of changes to Medicare, and they were all intended to be experiments. So some of them have worked better than others of them. Health care spending went down rather dramatically in the years following the enactment of the Affordable Care Act. There was a very lively debate amongst analysts and economists about whether that was because of the law or because of the, uh, the, the Great Depression, the recession, that still not clear. I think the consensus was it was sort of a combination of the two. So you said that it didn't necessarily lower costs, but affordable care is built into the name of the act. Are you able to explain in a not-too-complicated way why it did not lower the costs of the cost well, of health insurance? One of the big pieces of the Affordable Care in the Affordable Care Act was helping people who didn't have job-based insurance or didn't have government insurance afford private insurance. And it has done a very good job at that. Previously, if you earned $30,000 a year and insurance cost $2,000 a month, that just wasn't going to work for you. But now there are subsidies um, that will help you know, people really with family of four up to about $90,000 help them afford insurance. So in that sense, it did make insurance more affordable for the people who were getting help. What happened was the people who weren't getting help were having to pay increases that, that were very large. Can you tell me about some of the major criticisms of Obamacare then when it went through and even up to now? Well, of course, the biggest criticism came from Republicans who voted against it unanimously in the end, which is that they just didn't want more government involvement in the health care system. Government is already, depending on how you look at it, either 
covering or paying close to half of the nation's health care bill. So there's already a lot of government in the health care system. And it, this was seen as perhaps a step to a fully government paid system, um, which uh, a lot of obviously Republicans would, would like more market and less government. Uh, there was also a concern that the, particularly the requirement that people have insurance or else pay a fine sort of offended the, the libertarian streak that runs through many Americans of both parties. I mean, that was that was just an ideological uh, line that people didn't want to cross. Interestingly enough, that the idea of that individual mandate of requiring people to have some responsibility for health care that they were likely to consume, whether or not they had insurance, uh, was originally a Republican idea. It started in the early 1990s uh, when President Bill Clinton was uh, proposing a much more government-focused system. That was the Republicans' response. They kind of backed off of it later, but then, of course, they did do it. The, the first individual mandate in the United States was in Massachusetts in 2006 under then-Republican Governor Mitt Romney. So it was always sort of kicking around as a Republican idea. But when the Democrats adopted it, the Republicans decided they wanted no part of it. And indeed, it has traditionally been the least popular part of the Affordable Care Act with the public. Why should there be an imperative against not having health insurance? Why does the government believe that we should? Well, the argument is that Almost everybody's going to use health care regardless of whether they're insured or not. So if you're not insured and you get in an accident and you're taken to the hospital and you're treated, that's going to cost a lot of money. And without insurance, you're probably not going to have enough money to pay for that. What happens? The, the health care providers have to write that off and therefore raise prices for everybody else. So those people are considered free riders. They're basically getting something for nothing. There's an argument that people should have the responsibility for something that is likely to occur, i.e. that you're likely to use health care at some point. That is sort of the, the, the moral and societal argument for it. Um, the obvious you know, personal argument for it is that if you end up needing health care and you don't have insurance, you are likely to go broke. Um, so there is there's something to, to for yourself to having health insurance, but there are people who just simply don't want it. And that was in the law. It said, okay, if you don't want it, you're going to pay this fine. And frankly, the fine is still lower than the cost of health insurance in almost every case. Um, so the, the idea was that those people would pay what was referred to sometimes as a free rider penalty. They would pay that penalty and it would go to help offset the health care costs of people that didn't still have insurance. There's one other component of the ACA that I'm curious about, which is the requirement that all health plans include a certain bare bones set of benefits uh, in the plan. Can you talk about why that was part of the ACA and what the idea is there? Yes, this this was one of the most difficult parts of the ACA for the people who put it together, um, which was what constitutes adequate health insurance? What does a minimum package of benefits have to look like. And it came from a lot of research that showed many people had insurance, but they were underinsured. The things that were likely to happen were things that they wouldn't be covered for. Maternity care was a really big one. You know, many, many families, not just women, because it's, it's a, usually a family that's having a baby um, in terms of the finances. Um, many individual policies didn't cover maternity. It was something that people were sometimes expected to pay for themselves. Uh, these days, having a baby costs in the tens of thousands of dollars, not 
not uh, an amount that most families can comfortably handle. Uh, Many insurance policies didn't cover mental health or substance abuse issues, something that we know is very common. So this was sort of an effort to try to reach that balance. But that's, you know, this is a question of of what, as a government, do you want to actually mandate uh, for people to have in terms of health insurance? So why is it so expensive? We were sitting here in the studio right before we called you saying, you know, we get these bills, you know, from an MRI, for example, $200,000, and I only have to pay a portion of that. But why on earth would a quick procedure cost that much money? Is that an accurate representation of what it's costing the hospital or whomever? Well, it depends who you ask. And this is the continuing debate. Why does healthcare cost so much? Actually, why does the United States spend so much on money? That, we I think, has been pretty definitively answered. And uh, to, to uh, quote the, the late Uwe Reinhardt, um, Princeton health economist, it's the prices, stupid. In the United States, there is no government control of prices for prescription drugs. Um, there is within the Medicare program and within the Medicaid program. But in the private sector, the government does not control how much uh, health care uh, uh, practitioners uh, and suppliers of healthcare uh, things can charge, and so they basically charge what they can. Uh, there are uh, libertarians and market-driven Republicans who argue that one of the problems is people with insurance because they don't see the bill, so that that the insurance company will pay it. Uh, the patient has no skin in the game, therefore people charge more. It's not entirely clear why prices are so much higher in the United States than in other industrialized nations, but prices are so much higher in the United States than they are in other industrialized nations. And how do we measure up against other industrialized nations in terms of of healthcare and prices? Not very well. We certainly oh, pay dear. the most, and we have. Um, but when you look at outcomes, um, you know, how healthy our population is, um, Americans are less healthy than those in many other uh, ad- advanced nations. That's who we tend to compare ourselves to. And and that is, you know, for, again, it's not just the healthcare system. It has to do with other social supports that other countries have, um, you know, with, with income uh, and the, the inequity of income in the United States, with, to some extent, how big we are. Um, but, yes, we, we spend the most and don't get that much back for it. That's pretty clear. Mm. What happened in terms of public perception of the Affordable Care Act? Because I know it didn't start off so hot. But then things seem to balance out a little bit. Yeah, from from the beginning, um, the Affordable Care Act was popular among Democrats and unpopular among Republicans. So the most important determinant of whether you liked the health law or not was what party you identified with. Uh, the you know, when things went wrong, support dipped. When things went well, support rose in general. It was really only last year when Republicans started, you know, going after the law in a, in a serious attempt to repeal it, that more than half of the public suddenly decided that they liked it. And that had mostly to do with independent voters um, turning more strongly in favor of the law. But indeed, there's, you know, famous Jimmy Kimmel sketch that I tend to show when I go out and talk to people. He asked people on the street, uh, did they, which did did they prefer Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act? And everybody he talked to said, oh, they preferred the Affordable Care Act. They didn't like <laughs> Obamacare, even though, of course, they were the same thing. So there is something to the, the, uh, the, the words that you use to describe it. So as someone who has covered health care for so long, what is your personal opinion? Do you feel that the Affordable Care Act protected patients and made health care more affordable across the board for Americans? 
you know, one of the things I've seen in my, you know, now more than 30 years of covering health policy is that what tends to happen is that Congress passes a big law, they see what works and what doesn't, and they fix what doesn't work. Um, that really hasn't been able to happen with the Affordable Care Act because the Republicans took over the, the House right after it passed, before it was implemented. By the time it was implemented fully, Republicans were in charge of the House and the Senate, so they didn't want to fix anything. And of course, now Republicans who say they don't like the law are in charge of the, the House, the Senate, and the White House. So there really has been no chance to go back and tinker with the things that didn't work so well. Um, will there be? We will have to see. Are there any other countries you think we could look to for guidance? For uh, Is there a better way to do this that you've seen? Well, everybody, every other country is struggling with health care costs. Health care is expensive. It gets more expensive. We have, you know, dramatic breakthroughs and the people who create those dramatic breakthroughs want to be, you know, reimbursed for their their intellectual, you know, work. Um, and, and I think most people agree that they should be. The question is, at some point, can society, and I'm talking about society in general, not just the U.S., not afford these things? And, you know, so some some countries decide to sort of hold down costs by creating queues, as they say, making people wait. If it's not, you know, urgent, maybe you'll have to wait longer. Um, Americans don't like to wait. Uh, there are, you know, Canada has basically what would be what the U.S. could understand as Medicare for all. It's a government paid system, but not a government run system. The United Kingdom has what's more like the Veterans Administration here. It's both a government paid system and a government run system. But Germany and Switzerland and the Netherlands all have hybrid public-private systems with government funding and private insurance, not that dissimilar from what we have, and yet they pay considerably less than we do because they have a much more government-structured private market than we do. Julie, what do you think uh, we can expect going forward? Are there like really viable alternatives to the ACA that people are advocating for? Do we think it's is it going to go away entirely and we'll just have an open market? I mean, what do you expect like might happen in the next couple of years? Well, there's a huge spirited debate in the Democratic Party on whether to try to fix what's wrong with the ACA or whether to scrap it and go to a Medicare for all type single payer plan. Um, and there is growing support for that. But people haven't we've not really debated what that would mean in terms of trade offs, in terms of much higher taxes, in terms of do you really you know, people love Medicare. Do you really trust the government, though, to basically handle Medicare for, you know, 325 million people rather than the 55 million people um, who are on Medicare? Um, that that it's hard to know what the result of that debate would be. But I would guess that fewer people would support it than and support it at first blush. Republicans would like to get rid of the Affordable Care Act, but it's not, they don't agree on what to replace it with either. Some of them would like to just give a chunk of money to the states and let the states figure out what they can do. Some of them would like to go to just an entirely market-driven system. Um, basically, people are kind of at loose ends figuring out exactly what they would like to see, if not the Affordable Care Act. Today's episode was produced by Ben Henry. Our executive producer is Erica Janik. Our staff includes Justine Paradise, Jimmy Gutierrez, Jackie Helbert, and Taylor Quimby. I'm Hannah McCarthy. I'm Nick Capadice. Civics 101 is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio.
I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.